Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zance, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Jake Asman of ESPN 97.5 in Houston. He's obviously a Jets fan who's from New York originally, but hosts a radio show. But he'll be joining the middle of the show. It's a little bit different than usual. But um, this is definitely a monument in the show, Stephen. You know, (laughs) first big win in the history of this program. I want you to let me know your thoughts of how you were feeling on Sunday or continuing to feel throughout the week. Dude, so for the longest time, I've just asked for exciting football, for something to get me off my couch or get me out of my chair. And boy, did the Jets deliver in almost five quarters of anxiety-ridden, fun football, man. I mean, they took it to the end. It was a roller coaster, but I loved every minute of it. And thinking back on it now, knowing that we got the victory, I mean, you can look back and truly be happy because it was uh, it was just a great game, a much-needed win for the Jets, for Sala, for Zach Wilson, and for this fan base that has been just clamoring for an ounce of exciting football for too long. So, I mean, if you think back, really, I think this is probably the biggest Jets win that we've had in a long time, but I'd probably say going back to Sam Darnold in 2019 against the Cowboys. Um it's the first meaningful win I think we've really seen since I've <laughs> I've been at Turn on the Jets, which is, it's just fun to talk about a win that you're actually excited about, not one that comes late in the year when you're rooting for a tank or one that gets a, a bad team to a, a set, you know a, an overinflated seven and nine record. So this had it all, man. It, it started off as uh, what I think we all thought was like a uh, another offensive dud, um, and then it totally redeemed itself, man. So it was a lot of fun on Sunday watching some exciting Jets football again. What did you think? Oh man. Well, first of all, before we, before I talk about my thoughts here, I just want everyone who listens to the show, <laughs> watches the show, who follows me on Twitter, who had any doubts of me because I got some, got some funny messages in my mentions last week, but um, you know, to all those non-believers, I called it. There is audio evidence that I put on Twitter over, over the weekend that, you know, a lot of the things I said happened and a lot of the things that tweeted out happened. All jokes aside, I mean, listen, I'm going to be wrong most of the time because what the hell do I know? I'm just a fan who talks about this show with you. And we talked about this team with you every week and Mm. you know, we love this team and we're just hoping for the best. We don't want to be too negative. And I understood why everyone was negative, but man, that was the best I've felt probably since Decker caught that touchdown in overtime to beat new England in 2015. Obviously there were good moments and it was fun, but this just felt like, the changing of the guard from getting out of this Gase era that we were so miserable with and the end of Todd Bowles and everything to like this team, it just had juice. And it was just like when Zach made that throw to Corey Davis from 54 yards out pointing, calling a shot, like a, like a Babe Ruth thing. I'm like, is he kidding? Like, <laughs> I look at this, I'm like, is this really happening right now? When, when he put that ball right in the bucket and landed right in Corey's hands, I just, I didn't even know how to react. I was just like, I was in shock and I was screaming on the top of my lungs. I haven't screamed like that in probably <laughs> since Henry Ruggs caught that touchdown for us to lose last year when we played. Yep. 
<laughs> man, there's so much to unpack here. I mean, offense, you know, one really bad quarter. Then we finally got a touchdown. My cousins have season tickets. They're at the game. They said when we scored that touchdown, the place was acting like we literally just won the Super Bowl because <laughs> we hadn't seen a touchdown in three games. Well, but, I mean, I think they celebrated yeah. when when uh, Corey Davis caught a third and ten for a first down. They celebrated like it was a Super Bowl. So I can't well, I can't imagine what it was like, you know, when they when they scored a touchdown. Well, you have to remember, you know, he did have two drops early in the game. So we all were just like ready to. I was literally about to send them in the sun. Like, come on, let's yeah. get it. But then the captain redeemed himself. You know, every all week he kept saying, you know, is it's, it's just another game. You know, they were like, did they make any effort to retain you? And he's like, no, like, you know, it bothered him a little bit. But, man, like, you could see what he can do. And he's just such a physical player. And that was just, you know, it was great. I mean, all the receivers are great. And I said this last week that their return of Crowder is going to be massive for this offense. Mm-hmm. And, boy, was it. He is just such a good safety valve for any quarterback, but especially a rookie quarterback where he can – you know, just be in the right spot on like a third and seven where you need him just to be past the sticks because we're so accustomed to quarterbacks on this team throwing too short of the sticks. Crowder is just a high IQ football player. He has good hands. You know, if you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. And that was just big for Zach. We were lacking that the first three weeks because there were so many drops in the Denver game. But um, I want to throw it to you because this defense, man, <laughs> that was like the really the one positive we had the past two games when we got blown out. But we saw signs of the defense, and obviously the defense made some plays in week one. But, man, Jeff Ulbrich, if he keeps doing this, he's going to get head coaching, like, interviews. I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily going to get a job because typically, like, guys have to go through a couple cycles where they get the actual job unless they're, like, this slam dunk candidate that everybody wants. Like, even Salah had to do that. This defense has been phenomenal, and I, there's mm-hmm. so much you can say about it. I mean, I want to let you go here, and then I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I think, first of all, when you talk about Ulbrich, I think the job that he did in Atlanta to finish out the year um, is kind of underplayed uh, because he had that defense playing well, <clears throat> excuse me, down the stretch. So when he gets brought here and Salah is pretty much given rain to run the defense, I think there's some excitement there and you can't undersell what he's done in the first four weeks here with this group of guys. So we've said it on the show before. It feels like so for so long, the jets have had rolls of the dice where you sit there and say like, okay, well, if this works out, then something will turn up and it's never gone their way. They have a lot of rolls of the dice here on this defense and they are all playing above expectation. You talk about Javelin Guidry, Brandon Eccles, Michael Carter, the second Quincy Williams, who I'll admit I was dead wrong on because that guy came to play on, on Sunday. Like I've never seen, CJ Mosley is Tremendous. unbelievable right now. MVP I mean, of this team, we, yeah. So we can poke fun at Adam Gase and say, the only thing that he did good for us was to get rid of McCagan and bring in Joe Douglas. Well, here's the second thing, because the stories were that he pounded the table to say, we need this guy, this leader in this locker room. Well, he's worth every freaking penny of that $85 million contract they're paying oh, him. And yeah. it's, it's evident every single Sunday. I mean, this guy, if there's an MVP on this team through four weeks, I think it's, it's Easily. unequivocally CJ Mosley. I'm close either. And then it's, it's ridiculous what he's doing. I mean, the play where he turns around, he changes coverages, uh, you know, for the Jets to get a sack on third down, it's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. And then you compound that with what the defensive line is doing with what Bryce Huff looks like, what John Franklin Myers looks like, what Quinn is starting to turn into now that we all expected, I think three and a half sacks through four games. This is a unit that's, it's been nothing short of impressive. It is over and above what any of us could have anticipated as we came into the first four weeks. They've had us in games that we probably shouldn't have been in. And I think they were obviously a big reason why the Jets won 
uh, on Sunday. So you can't say enough good things about this defense. I hope they only continue to grow and continue to get better because this has been, it's been awesome through the first four weeks. Yeah, man. Quincy Williams, he had like a, he had fire under his ass. He was awesome. <laughs> like hitting hard, flying all over the field, just like Mosley was all game. The one thing I'll say about him, because like you really can't criticize the guy. There was at least two or three opportunities yes. on a short pass <laughs> where he could have easily taken the ball to the house. Yeah. But listen, he still made plays. Like he still would stop the guy. Like he hit Derrick Henry pretty damn hard. And a lot of guys are made look silly. <laughs> I mean, you could ask Josh Norton about that last year when he, they played Buffalo. But man, it's just, it was such a good feel good moment. And like, I know Joe was at the game. I know a few other people at the game. They said that this stadium had not been like this since like the Rex years. And that, mm-hmm. That to me is so awesome. And that's just going to make it so much more fun. I know obviously they don't play at home for actually a while because, you know, they have the London game this week and the bye, and then they're going to New England and then they come back. I think they have two straight, but man, like it's just, you could hear it on TV. You could hear it like just whenever there was a big play and just, it's fun again. Like you don't have to like root for losses. You don't have to root for tanking, getting rid of the coach. Like we want to see growth, but yeah, Mosley, Quinn Williams both get game balls. I mean, they were I'm Quincy Williams, but Quinn was great too. I mean, the whole defensive line was tremendous. I mean, every mm-hmm. every single guy, like you, they all may play JFM, who's like literally a basically a lock for a sack of every single game. Like, I wish I could bet on that because like he literally gets a sack every game. Yeah. I think I said in our in our preseason edition that that was my my kind of upset pick was that JFM was going to lead the team in sacks, and I'm looking pretty good right now. I think Quinn's leading right now, I think with three or four. Yeah. But we'll see. Listen, seven seven guys on this defense. I saw this stat today. All have a sack. That is awesome. Seven awesome. guys. Usually we can, we've gotten three games without getting a sack. I know the lack of a pass rush. <laughs> but you got to give the guys credit. But I want to talk a little about the secondary because you know Bryce Hall is quarterback one, and he's legit. Like I don't know if he's going to be you know like a Jalen Ramsey type player, one of those guys who's like a lockdown Trav Davius White, but he holds his own. Like the statistics back it up. I think over the course of the first four games, he's given up like seven catches for a hundred yards. That's mm-hmm. insane. Like yeah. that's like a, that could be like a game, one really good game for a good receiver. And that's four games. I know obviously it wasn't a gauntlet of receivers, but I mean, they played against DJ Moore. who has been tremendous this year and he had a pretty solid yeah. game against the jets, but it was mostly like short passes. Wasn't really, you know, going up top, but man, he's been great. And you got to give credit to these safeties. I mean, I know Colbert, but I honestly don't even know who the other guy is because it keeps <laughs> yeah. changing every week. Who is yep. it again? Uh, it's Sherrod Neesman. No, yeah, Neesman yeah. and then Wilson. Um, I keep and yeah, and, and then, you know, they threw on Ashton Davis this week, came back from injury, who looked, you know, looked uh, halfway decent. So that's encouraging. But yeah, I agree. The secondary has been unreal. Not to mention that Eccles goes down early with a concussion. Isaiah Wynn steps in and just does phenomenal. It's like you don't even notice. You don't even miss a beat. So you can't say enough good things about these young guys, man, and the way they have them playing. And they look inspired. You can tell they're giving max effort. They're leaving it all out there on the field. Like It's uh, it's really impressive and incredible to watch. I'm loving watching this defense You see the difference. Like Think Mm -hmm. about – Think about Jets teams in the past, like especially like even Rex more towards after like the 9 10 seasons. So many missed tackles, so many bad penalties, and they do have penalties. They are a young team, they're gonna make mistakes, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing other things that are good. I mean, they don't miss tackles. How yep. many times the only thing I'll say is McNichols killed them with those screen plays because I just felt like they did not like account for him and he just kept burning them. Remember, that was like that third and 20, and he got to like yep. 
I don't know if he, I think he was like one yard short and obviously they had to go for it and end up getting it. It was in the overtime or fourth quarter, I'm not sure. But yeah, man, like it's just, it's been awesome. I mean, the defense is good. Like I think, you know, we're already a month into the season You and it's, we've been saying every week, even through two really bad outings, even though, you know, they, they gave up points, but like they bend, they don't break. And it's yeah. such a testament to both Sal and Ulrich. I mean, it's Salah's like philosophies and principles. And obviously Ulbrich is kind of like a disciple of that because he comes from the same tree. He's calling the plays, but you, you don't, Salah clearly has a big influence on this defense and really the team yeah. as a whole. And it's just, it's awesome. And I'm just super excited. And like reinforcements are coming back. So like, it's going to be fun. Like when Elijah comes back this week, I think Eccles mm-hmm. is trending in the right direction to play. Makai should be back either like, after the buy or like the game after the buy, and you know, we mm-hmm. decided to get him back out there. Gerard Davis, you know, give us more depth because now Hamza is on IR, so probably gonna miss three games. But man, they're just coaching their asses off, and it's just it's really, really a pleasant surprise. And it's I'm like, you know, I'm expecting us to play continue, not necessarily be like this explosive on offense, you know, with like four deep balls in the game. <laughs> I mean, if we do, I, I, I might need new shorts, yeah. But <laughs> um, it's literally just like we you know, it's just fun. Like, this is what we yeah. wanted. You've been saying it, you've been pounding it on the table every <laughs> week. You're like, entertain me, be competitive. It. And it was. And yeah. I just want that every game, even if they lose, they lose in style, be fun. Like, don't, yeah. be a, don't be a joke. And you know what? People are giving respect to the Jets uh, all over the media, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, if you, uh, if, if we want to flip to the offensive side of the ball, I think there's, there's so much to unpack there. Um, but you talk about you hear a lot of uh, NFL experts. I heard Chris Sims. I remember when he was on the Badlands podcast. Uh, I believe last year, part of last season. You talk about chunk plays or um, field flipping plays simply because it's just too hard to go twelve plays for eighty yards for a touchdown consistently, right? You need those field flipping plays, man. Like Zach Wilson can do that, and boy did he deliver. I mean, there were four wow plays that he had this Sunday, obviously the touchdown to Corey Davis, but before that, the, the fumble, uh, then throw to, uh, Jameson Crowder across the middle, the deep bomb rolling out to the right to, uh, to Keelan Cole, and then the teardrop in overtime to Keelan Cole and all of that. That was it, it, exactly like, and what I love about it is that not only did it show what Zach Wilson can do, it showed the aggressiveness there too, from Mike LaFleur, which I think he just finally took the training wheels off. And he said, you know what, we can get this kid rolling. Let's just do it. So when you look at the Corey Davis play, right, that was first down right off of a, uh, a punt and a good punt return from Braxton Barrios where they get the ball on the 45 yard line or whatever it is. And it's like, you know what, right now. So even the play call and let alone Zach Wilson to say, you know what, I'm going to give up on this 25 yard crosser and tell Corey to go deep so I can go for the jugular. Like, that's great. On the third and two, the teardrop to Keelan Cole, that's, that's a third and two with a guy and Connor McGovern was getting pushed in Zach Wilson's face, but he still threw it deep. That's another chunk you know, field flipping play that sets them up for the go ahead, uh, the go ahead field goal in overtime. So even that stuff, just, just those things, uh, the aggression, I really like to see both in play calling and then on the field. I just love that. I mean, uh, can, can you describe the feeling that you get when Zach Wilson breaks the pocket and rolls out? Like it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, I don't have any fear. I just, I, I'm like, I just can't wait to see this. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. And then when you couple that with, you know, hearing Salah say that if, if they didn't get it on fourth, if, if they didn't get it on third and one in overtime, they're going to go for it. Now, listen, they ran the bootleg, lost five yards, whatever. You, same thing with the third and 10 in overtime, right? They threw that out to Corey Davis. He missed, but I love the call. 
Like, give me all of that. I've been, we've been chopping at the bit for coaching like this and play like this. Just go for it, man. It's uh, an offense driven league. They're finally doing it. And it's just, it was so good to see on every level, man. I mean, I know it was a roller coaster game. I don't know if my heart can take it every week, but man, <laughs> it was fun and they went for it. And I'm glad they did. I, I could, if they had lost that game, but they still made those calls, I could have lived with it. Yeah. If, Listen, if they tie the game, you know, we're like, oh, we have a tie. Like, we couldn't just get the win. Like, it's annoying. But we're, we're probably feeling just as good. We're like, you know, it was fun, whatever. Yeah. But a couple things to unpack here. And I was watching Connor's film breakdown. I didn't finish it because it just, like, started and I had to do a few things. But something he pointed out, which was great, and obviously anybody who's not a Badlands subscriber, this is where you can watch this stuff. And it's really great stuff, especially coming off this game. There were so many fun things to look at. The one play that might have really changed the game, obviously, besides the Keelan Cole uh, long pass, was when Corey Davis drew that pass interference call that got us in, into Tennessee territory. Yes. Connor broke this down, and he it was a great play design, and it was perfect. And we've all been, like, really just saying, throw the ball deep. Like, it, you can get these calls. You see all the great quarterbacks in the NFL do it. It's like, it was great. And mm-hmm. if, when, when Connor breaks it down, it's just, like, showing the design, just, like, how Zach is, like, doing it. He also makes his guy miss, which is crazy. And he's been doing that pretty much since week one. So it's super fun. But another thing I want to talk about, and we, you and I were talking about this, was when they had a chance to ice the game late in the fourth quarter. It was third down. And they were like around like midfield-ish. I forgot what mm-hmm. it was. And, ever, and I know my dad disagreed with me on this, but we threw the ball. It was like on, in the flat to Corey Davis. He's yeah. wide open. Zach missed mm-hmm. him. And it's okay. And like, yeah. you know what? it showed he wasn't playing scared. He wasn't playing that Todd Bowles, Adam Gase brand of football that we're so used to where you felt like they're just playing the easy way out. They're just trying to not to mess it up. But when you play not to lose, you end up losing. And I, mm-hmm. and you know what? I think that's why the Jets won the game because they were playing aggressive. They weren't afraid of the other team. I know their team was missing players, but so are the Jets. I mean, like, oh. I don't want to hear that. It's like, yeah. it's there. They still have Ryan Tannehill. He like, <laughs> I know he didn't like play great, but he still threw for almost 300 yards. I know it was a lot of yep. attempts. Derrick Henry got his, but like it's it's a very deceiving thing because I know Derrick Henry had like 157 yards and a touchdown, but it doesn't feel like it. If you watch the game, you're looking at the box score that he ran all over them. Because believe me, I've had Derrick Henry on my fantasy team, not this year, but the previous <laughs> three years. Got me a championship. Thank you, Mr. Henry. He has dominated teams. The Jets stopped them. They just gave him the ball like a million times. So if you're going to mm-hmm. keep accumulating carries, you're going to get yards. So I mean, they hit him, you know, he had his plays and we knew that was going to happen. Like he's, he makes every team look bad. It's like, he's tremendous. So it's like, but you got, it's just so many good things to take away from this. And it just gets you excited about the future. I mean, obviously who knows where the season's going to go. There's so much to be done, but like, it just goes to show you everyone who was panicking, like this team is terrible. We're never going to score another <laughs> touchdown. Like, come on, like get over yourself. <laughs> you knew it was going to be time. I mean, like, listen, we talked to people like, you know, who are, who watch team practice, like DJ, you know, we read, and, you know, Joe obviously has information and, you know, we, I, we went to practice. You knew that Zach was not as bad as he was playing. Mm-hmm. He, listen, he played some tough defenses to come out of the gate. Listen, Carolina's good. Denver's good. I know they obviously don't have Teddy right now. He just got hurt. New England is a good defense. I mean, look, Tom Brady didn't look that great against New England. I know there was rain, which is a factor, but he had trouble and he was mm-hmm. tearing teams apart the first three weeks, you know, Dallas's defense, which has actually been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, not the the Rams actually the Rams actually had him pretty good, but like it's just it's there's a lot of good things to take away, and this weekend could be really fun too. I mean, the only thing is if it's not fun, it's not gonna be fun for us because <laughs> everyone's gonna be watching, and it's just like yeah. we don't yeah. like when all the attention's on us. But if it's good, 
we're going to get a lot of respect from people and people aren't going to think the Jets are just as lousy team. You know, they're like an up and coming team, which is what we want to be. Like we know the playoffs are not like necessarily an attainable goal. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just be competitive. And if they are this week, if they lose, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you had a lot of good points. It's uh, it was important for this team to get this win and and especially how they did. Cause you could look, you could look back on this and say, I mean, obviously the Jets had multiple opportunities to put this game away and just didn't. You yeah. talked about the you talked about the third and ten to Corey Davis. That would have iced the game right there. Um, on the fourth quarter drive for the Titans to tie it up, you know, the the um what I thought was a touchy pass interference call on fourth and ten um to give them another first down. You know, there there was that. Uh let's see, they had, you know, the on the uh Titans possession in overtime. Um, the Jets get a sack right off the bat. Uh, I think they get the Titans in third and 21 and then, you know, give up a 20 yard play. And then Derek Henry, Derek Henry runs for a first down in the next play. So all these opportunities to close it out and they just didn't do it. And it was a absolute roller coaster, but in the end they did. And it, I think a win like this teaches the team how to win and they needed to get that one under their belt and they need this to build momentum. So hopefully they could do that. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, predictions and all that later in the show. And, you just, well, you know, you have to make that decision on is the, are the first three games really going to define them? Or is this one that can be that monumental one that kind of, you know, defines the season moving forward. I think all of us can kind of recount back to uh, 2019, you know, Jets start 0-4, Sam Donald has mono, he comes back, he, you know, he lights the world on fire and and beats Dallas. And then every single Jets fan out there is like looking at the remaining games in the schedule saying, okay, win here, win here. This is how we get to 10 and six. And then look how it ended up. Right. So we really just want to see this as, okay, can this be a building block for at least this team to play solid competitive football. I mean, shit, if they come out and they lose to Atlanta next week in a 30 to 27 game, so be it, but just don't come out and have it be a, you know, a six point uh, stinker where, you know, they, they don't throw anything and, and the offense reverts back to what it looked like in weeks two and week three. Yeah, no, all good points. And I mean, like it's, this game is important whether they win or they lose. It's just more of how they look and how they play because you're going into the bye week and there's going to be a lot of things to take away. And I actually think it's a good time for the Jets to get the bye week so they can get their reinforcements back, mm-hmm. like Makai back to him, potentially Marcus May. I don't really know what his true timetable is. I know it's like three to four weeks. So yeah. it's, you know, let's let's just see what we get. I mean, there's some good things, but, you know, I'm happy Elijah's coming back. I'm I'm sensing the breakout game. I, uh, I tweeted this out that I think that he's going to catch a touchdown this week, but we'll talk more about that when we do our preview, especially when Jake's on, on the show in a bit. Um, but I think one of the things that like, I've been talking to people about is like, could we potentially lose Ulbrich? I know I talked about this before, but like (laughs) he might be a head coaching candidate. I mean, listen, he's a young coach, former player. So he has like, you know, the leadership skills because he's been in the locker room, but like, it's something we got to think about. And like, honestly, if, if we did, it would, it would obviously sting because he's, he's doing such a good job so far. And that would mean he did a really good job if, you know, a team wanted him, but like, when was the last time someone took a coordinator from our team? Cause I don't remember, like we've had such bad coordinators or <laughs> it was like a sense where like Todd Bowles and Rex Ryan called the defensive plays. Like I know there was like yeah. Casey Rogers. And then I think Petten, Petten was Petten got, coordinator for a little while. Yeah. Petten got a job with Cleveland uh, from the jets, I believe. No, no, no. So I think he got a head coaching job Buffalo. with Cleveland. He was with Buffalo. Oh, okay. There you go. He left yep, Rex right. to get like yep. a defensive coordinator job, but assistant head coach with Buffalo, I think under Marone. Yeah. And then he took the, he took the Browns job and okay. he, I don't think he's actually coaching this year. Cause I know obviously he was, he was doing, he was the coordinator with the Packers, but mm-hmm. it just goes to show you, I know, like, I think Bob Sutton was the original defensive coordinator when Rex first came along and then he eventually followed Andy Reid. 
uh, to Kansas City. But yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting. I know the floor was the guy. Everyone's like, oh, like Jets shouldn't hire him because oh, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be poached away in two years. I'm like, no, that's a good thing. It means that we're doing things the right way, and that mm. the offense is further along and then someone else who could be a young up and coming mind can take the reins and just keep building from there. You know what I mean? Like if you're a good coordinator, you're going to get, you're going to get a, like either a raise from another team or you're going to get a chance to be a head coach. That's just, just how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I think you're kind of seeing the league going this way. I mean, the Jets put in a request to uh, interview Patrick Graham, right, from the Giants, the Giants defense court. Is that his name, right? I think, yeah. um, you know, who you're probably a year too early on that. But, you know, he had one good year with the Giants and, and you know, the Jets put in a request. You see, the again, we talk about pendulum swings, but it's kind of going that way where, you know, two, three, four years ago, everything was on the offensive side of the ball. And you're looking for the Kyle Shanahan's and the Sean McVay's. But now you see these, you know, younger defensive minded guys really getting looks. You look at Salah, you look at Brandon Steele, you look at uh, Brian Flores. Now, you know, I just mentioned Patrick Graham. So it definitely, I mean, if he continues to do what he's doing with this defense and the, the list of guys that he has and has them performing at the level he, he is, there's no chance there's, or there's no question he's going to get, you know, head coach interviews. Why, why wouldn't anybody? Cause you'd rather yeah. interview a guy and get him a year too early than miss the boat on him. So I think he'll absolutely get looks at this uh, trajectory kind of continues the way that it has the first four weeks. I have the funniest scenario that I thought about <laughs> earlier today that I'm going to tell you. I'll tell about everyone who's watching and listening. What if we get to a scenario where, you know, obviously there's all this noise with Urban Meyer that he's like a one and done <laughs> Jaguars hired Jeff Ulbrich off our staff. Oh boy. And, I would never I would find my way on the Jaguars Twitter and just roast these people because <laughs> we had to hear for like six months before the Jets ultimately ended up not getting the first pick that you should avoid the Jets. Trevor Lawrence should avoid the Jets. Like should, Zach Wilson shouldn't want to play for the Jets. Like I think that everyone needs to realize that sometimes, yeah, the ownership may not be great, but if they eventually get it right, you know, look at the Knicks. He's not James Old's not a good owner. He spends, but like you get the right people in place, that that narrative is going to go away. I mean, look at the Browns. I mean, people really like Kevin Stavansky. People really mm-hmm. like Andrew Barry. So, like, man, that would be like icing on the cakes, everything that's been going on with that team, <laughs> considering we were considered to be the joke and ruining people and everything like that. And I get why people say that, because historically we haven't had great success, but, like, we, we talked about, like, before the season started, like, 97 to 2010 were good years, and, like, people mm-hmm. seem to forget about all that. And like now the bills are good. Everyone seems to forget how pathetic they were for a really long time. I mean, I remember when they made the playoffs that one year because Andy Dalton won some meaningless game. Yeah. They were acting like they won the Super Bowl. They hadn't made the playoffs in 1999. So like, yeah. you know, it, listen, teams, a lot of teams are consistently good, but then there's a lot of teams that are consistently bad, but eventually you're going to get, you're going to become competent again. The Jets were good in 2015. I know they yeah. didn't end up making the playoffs, but they still won 10 games. And that was, it was an impressive season. And Todd Bowles, people thought was a good coach. Mm-hmm. We all know how that turned out, but he's probably getting another chance with his work with, um, with Tampa's defense, especially in the Super Bowl. But sure. Yeah. I mean, that just would be something really funny that I was thinking about. I know. Today. I mean, the yeah, you know, I, I think it was just the perfect storm. I mean, the Jets always have a magnifying glass on them. That's just how it is. And, and York, you know, they like happens. to be. Yeah, it's it's New York. They like to play us up as a laughing stock. And when, you know, a generational prospect like Trevor Lawrence is in line to go number one overall and the Jets are in line for the first overall pick, that's when they decide to throw out this wide reward, uh, you know, incompetent and up teams for uh, for their incompetence, which I just think is a it's a, a BS logic anyways. And it just was drummed up to, uh, you know, to get clicks and get likes and all that stuff. But honestly, man, I we I think we've talked about it on the show before. If not, we've talked about it in private. I never saw the Urban Meyer hire as a good 
thing. I just, it just didn't fit. It seemed more like a PR slash name grab than anything else. And I never would have thought that only four games in, we'd be at the the point that we are, um, you know, with Jacksonville, but this is getting bad pretty quick. And I would, uh, I'd be severely disappointed if they, uh, if Urban Meyer's gone and they take Ulbrich away from us. So I doubt there's any Jaguar fans that are listening or watching the show, <laughs> but I could just tell you it all went downhill when Mike Francesa decided to tweet in December 2020 that every team should be lining up to, to hire this guy. And he also said on his show, because if you know Mike Francesa, everything he says, go the other way. Yeah. The Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be any good. He said Herbert wouldn't be any good. Like, just, and he said Tua was like amazing. Meanwhile, like, yeah. I don't, I don't mean to like bag on Tua, but he's obviously been part of everything, but he hasn't been overly impressive. Like, Mm-mm. I said this to a few people. I'm like, can you find me? I mean, Mac Jones obviously only played four games, but can you find me any throws that either Mac Jones or Tua, because obviously they're in a division, have ever made compared to the four throws that Zach made this this mm-hmm. I can't. No, nope. Zach had the best rookie quarterback performance. I know Fields obviously won as well, but Justin Fields hasn't thrown a touchdown yet. So like you know, like don't crowd him. You know, I'm a fan of his. I I hope that he does well. I, he was the guy that. I, I initially wanted early on in the process before I learned a little more about Zach and read about him and watched some stuff with him. But my point is Zach, there's not a lot of wins coming from these rookie quarterbacks. So everyone needs to remember that when they think about like comparing one to the other situations are different. Max Jones, obviously is the greatest coach of all time. He has a good defense behind them, but they're still one in three. Does everyone yep. seem to forget that same records as jets? I know they beat the jets, but who knows if Zach actually protects the ball, we could have maybe won that game. There's plenty of chances that we threw away. I'm, yeah. I mean, how, uh, how times have changed in New England, Tom, huh? where they're like celebrating an almost victory against, uh, against Tampa Bay at home and, you know, celebrating Mac Jones for, you know, throwing for whatever he threw for 280 yards or something and going, you know, quote unquote, toe to toe with Tom Brady. Like, I mean, give me a break. Like that's stuff that would make fun of any other team for in, in years past. And now you're celebrating that for a one and three team with a rookie quarterback who looks semi-competent um I'm sorry he looks competent he looks competent yeah but he's still a rookie and I mean I'm not overly impressed with him I think he's doing what he's supposed to be doing within that system I don't think he's making any wild plays or not overly impressing me he's just doing what he's asked to do which is fine that's that's exactly what he should be doing I'm just not going to reward uh him you know almost winning and say that it was a a, you know great performance I'm going to go make a bold claim here I don't think there's ever been a point in Mac Jones's career, even if he's a good quarterback, that he's ever going to be a top five quarterback. And I will, yeah. I will, I will eat these words. Someone could find them <laughs> ten years from now. Feel free to resurface them. Send them for mistakes. I just don't see it. I, you, I could like Justin Herbert. I think that guy is going to be a top five quarterback very soon, if yeah. not like the end. He may be already there. You see that? I don't see that with Mac Jones. He doesn't have like this incredible arm talent that Zach has. And I'm not saying that Zach is going to be this. I mean, we hope he is, but like. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have – I can't predict the future. Um, we should be joined by Jake very soon, and I'm excited to have him on because he's one of our first guests, and he's about to join us in one second. But, yeah, no, I mean, he's our first recurring guest, so I'm super excited about this. And there he is. What's up, Jake? Guys, what's going on? How you <laughs> doing, Jake? First recurring guest. First recurring guest. Wow. It's, uh, it's an honor. I appreciate you guys for having me. Um, the two Stevens, man. Great to be back on the show. <laughs> Yeah. It's great yeah. to have you. And obviously you get to cover the first Jets win that Steven and I get to cover together. So man, this is this is great. So honestly, dude, just tell us what your thoughts were on Sunday. How excited were you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so much nicer to be talking about this team after a win right now. <laughs> you know, we, we said going into the year, you know, wins, losses, you want to win as many games as possible. We want to see progress, but 
you know, at the same time, when you're living as a fan through these games, you want to win the games. And that was a winnable game on Sunday, especially the way, you know, they played in the second half. Even if if they ended up tying that game, let's say, it would have left such a sour taste, I think, in in so many Jets fans' mouths. So, you know, to win that game and see the quarterback play as well as he did, uh, you got to be just ecstatic if you're a fan of this team. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some bumps along the road. They're going to lose more games throughout the course of this year. Uh, But it's nice to get one, and it's nice to see, you know, the offense play like it did in the second half. And and it's great to see the defense continuing to play like they played really throughout the, the first four games of the season. They've been great. Yeah. We were saying before, we think if Ulbrich keeps doing this, he's going to get head coaching offers. And the team that's in the city that you uh, you live in, the, the Texans might be calling if David Culley is one and done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, D- David Culley's in a tough spot. I don't think he'll be one and done, but you know, at the same time, y- you never know. But you're, you're right about, you know, Ulbrich. He's going to definitely get con- some, con- some uh, consideration if this team continues to play as well as they have defensively. I mean, guys, we said the biggest concern with the Jets this year was going to be the defense. And I thought, you know, I'm sure you guys, you know, probably talked about this as well. We thought the offense was going to be drastically improved and and maybe being some shootouts and you know the defense has been carrying this team and you look at the secondary all the talk about they don't have any experience at cornerback what are we going to do and I mean Bryce Hall's turned into a a legitimate number one Michael Carter has been impressive Gidry's played well in the slot they got some real pieces in this secondary and I think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala deserve a, a lot of credit for drafting and developing the talent that we've seen there so far agreed and, like, we all were nervous about the corners. I mean, like, I, I was a little terrified. I mean, I saw, like, some flashes from Bryce Hall but and a little bit from Gidry at the end of the year. But, you know, they were a terrible football team. So it was, like, were they just, like, you know, decent players on an awful team? Or were they actually good players? And what we're learning is I think they're actually good players. And it's really good to see because, you know, the Jets really haven't had a great secondary in a long time. I think the first year of Todd Bowles when they got Brevis back because he was good that year and they had Cromartie and they had – um buster screen i'm trying to think of safeties um mark there was a guy named another guy named marcus i can't remember his last name but basically we haven't had a good secondary in a while so it's it's really promising to see but um jake i'm curious i mean zach was tremendous so what was like your favorite moment of the game on sunday because we've kind of talked about it but i want to hear your perspective as well (laughs) You know, I, I could I could talk about a lot of what he did, but you know, I'd be lying if I said that my favorite moment wasn't the, you know, the, the touchdown to Corey Davis where, you know, he's directing him like he's in the schoolyard to you know, keep running. I mean, it's an iconic moment. Uh, the videos that have come out from the different angles of that play have been so cool to watch this week. Uh, the, the play-by-play call on radio by Bob Rashusen on uh, the broadcast. Amazing. It's a great call. And it's, it's just nice to have plays like that, man. I mean, when was the last time the Jets had, you know, an explosive touchdown at a big spot like that? Like, you know, us long diehards. Time. And we just been, we've been living and dying with this team and having to watch just, just awful offensive play for so long. I mean, you now have this quarterback that could make, you know, the exciting flash play and, uh, I mean, that throw was just incredible. Uh, good bounce back game, obviously, for Corey Davis. He had been, you know, playing pretty poor the last couple of games. Even in, you know, the game against the Titans in the first half, had that drop, slipped on the route. Uh, that ended up being a Wilson interception. So for him to have that game, especially come out in the second half against his former team, that was awesome. But, I, I mean, you could talk about that throw. You could talk about the play where Wilson botches the snap, but still – 
has composure, can get it to Crowder, who's open. The throw to Keelan Cole on the previous drive that set up a touchdown was also an epic moment in the game. Uh, there were just so many guys, and you know that's why they drafted Zach Wilson number two. Like the throws he made in that game, and that, and you know the you know just on the run, play breaks down, could still go out there and make an explosive play. You know, you basically saw his BYU tape come to life in an NFL game on Sunday, and that was awesome to see. Agreed. Yeah. So, Jake, we kind of touched on this before you jumped on, but I know that you tweeted about this on Sunday after the game was how much you liked uh, LaFleur and Salah's aggression, uh, especially in calling for the, uh, you know, the third and 10 out uh, to that would have closed the game that, that uh, Wilson ultimately missed. Also, you know, saying he would go for it on fourth and one. But do you get the sense that, um, you know, LaFleur kind of took the training wheels off of Wilson here once he kind of felt that he was in a groove? And is this something that you think we could see moving forward? Yeah, I hope so, Stephen. I, I think what you really saw, like maybe the training wheels being taken off, is once they scored on that Michael Carter touchdown run and Wilson had a really good drive up until they ran it in, it kind of felt like like that that switch maybe flipped for Zach Wilson. Like he came out in the second half after they scored at the end of the first half and and he just played with more confidence. They, he got into a rhythm. And, and I think LaFleur did a really nice job feeding off of that. Now, you know, I didn't love the third and goal rollout call, but at the same time, no. you know, Zach knows he can't take a sack there and he'll learn from that. If he throws it away, they go for it on fourth and goal and who knows what happens. Maybe they win in regulation and yeah. or they win in overtime right there. And we don't have to worry about, you know, the Randy Bullock missing from 49 yards out. Um, but, you know, overall, I mean, I, I thought he caught a really good game in the second half and, and, and I thought he got Zach into a nice rhythm. And, you know, honestly, though, it comes down to the offensive line as well. I mean, Zach, only got sacked one time and you know there's a reason why he had his best game he, he had time to throw and make plays and when he was facing some duress he used his ability to scramble and create time and you know that's that's what we saw on some some big time throws so really good second half and you know, they're playing an Atlanta defense on Sunday in London that's not very good so I would yeah. expect the Jets to also have a really good offensive game this Sunday as well we could we could transition to a little game preview and some predictions. So let's go. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, we, we don't want to talk ad nauseum since obviously we you know we've been talking about it for the like the first half hour of the show. But like Jake said, I mean, this is this is a winnable game. I mean, I know it's it's London that could you know throw them off a little bit because it's a big time zone change. You know, it's it's a neutral site game, which is good. I mean, I don't think there's a big uh, fan base of Atlanta Falcon fans out there over the pond. Uh, Charles McDonald said that he doesn't think there's that many in Atlanta to begin with. So I, <laughs> I wouldn't say that there would be that many in London for anyone who didn't hear that on Badlands today. I gave you a little sneak preview of the episode, <laughs> but to me, I just think there, this is an opportunity. I mean, it's similar to the Titans. I mean, Matt Ryan's worse than Ryan Tannehill at this point in his career, not historic, not throughout their entire careers, but he hasn't looked the same as what we remember when he went to that Super Bowl with the Falcons before they blew a 28 to three lead. And even really before that, but you know, they have Calvin Ridley, who's tremendous. They have Kyle Pitts, who really hasn't had that breakout game. Hopefully it's not against us, but he's been okay. You know, the Cordero Patterson, number three fantasy running back slash wide receiver right now. He's the guy I'm actually worried about because they're probably, based on looking at the film of the Jets playing the Titans, they're going to drop him back in screen passes because Jeremy McNichols ate us alive. And that's a mm -hmm. huge adjustment that Solomon Ulbrich really got to fix because that can kill us, you know, in a game like this. But um, I'm just curious, you know, like, both of you guys, what would you say is the biggest X factor of what, how the Jets can win this game? And I'll, I'll give it to protection. Jake first. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just protection because I, I, I expect the Jets to score points if Wilson has time. I, I really do. I, I think what we saw in the second half, you know, I don't know if Zach Wilson is going to throw for, you know, 
250 yards every half. I don't think that's realistic, but I, I think he's going to have success. I think the Jets can run the football against Atlanta. I think they could set up play action. And I think, you know, the, the Atlanta Falcons secondary is graded out as one of the worst in football so far, if you look at it. So I think there's going to be opportunities for explosive plays. And if the Jets defense plays like it's played so far through the first four weeks and they take that across the pond and do the same thing, you know, I think this offense is going to be able to score some points. And, you know, I, I'm expecting the Jets to win this game. It's crazy to say that after, you know, where this team was at after, you know, we watched them just get dominated in Denver. and We all were feeling terrible about the, where the season was headed. But, you know, one win changes a lot. And I think the Jets have a great chance to win this game on Sunday. I really do. Steven, what do you think? What's the biggest Yeah, I, I agree with Jake. I mean, I think that uh, I don't think I don't think the Jets are going to shut the Falcons out. I think they're, you know, their weapons are still good. Matt Ryan is still Matt Ryan. And, and yeah, they're, you know, Cordell Patterson, you got to be worried about. Um, but the, the Jets are going to give up points, but I don't think that's the X factor. I think it's just the offense and, and it's really the Jets offense, <clears throat> excuse me, against themselves. If they can play a clean game, you know, the, kind of the way they did against Tennessee here and not turn the ball over and not beat themselves, I think they have a very, very good shot at winning. So it comes down to Zach Wilson and Michael Floor building off the momentum that they that they uh, created here with the Tennessee win and continuing to do that and continuing to be aggressive and utilize Elijah Moore now that he's back. And let's stop forcing two tight end sets down the throats of Jets fans and let's start incorporating some of the talented receivers that we have here. So if LaFleur continues on the aggressive path that we saw against Tennessee and Zach Wilson gets more and more comfortable here, maybe they take a deep shot early to kind of, you know, break the ice off of him a little bit, get him in the groove. Maybe that's his thing. Um, I think that's got to be the X factor. And the only way the Jets lose this game is if they beat themselves here and that's specifically on offense. Yeah, totally agree. To me, I think something that could be a huge X factor here, and it's kind of going back to when you're looking at when the Falcons played the Eagles week one when they got absolutely destroyed, establishing the run. The Jets really haven't mm -hmm. done that this season, and that's something that I think will make Zach's life a lot easier. You have to give him a lot of credit considering they really couldn't run the ball last week again, and they still en end up having a good day from an offensive perspective. So I think getting Michael Carter, getting Ty Johnson, Kevin Coleman a little more comfortable. And they each had their fair share of nice plays. I mean, Kevin Coleman probably had one of the most important runs of the game in overtime when he, mm -hmm. he literally powered his way to – I don't think he got the first down, but he was right there, if anything. So I think that was the play when they were, like, looking at it for a while and ended up not having it. But just run the ball. It's, it's a rookie quarterback's best friend. It's why Mark Sanchez won a bunch of playoff games. And, you know, it's just important. And I think that – we need to do that. That's the scheme that this team is trying to run. And I think it's only going to make Zach's life a lot easier and make play action more effective for them. Yeah, I think if you can go back to the Tennessee game and honestly the first four games, if there's one complaint that's kind of been across the board for, for those, uh, it's been that the running game hasn't been what we thought it would be. And I think a three-headed monster, I think Ty Johnson has kind of fallen short of expectations, no secret. Michael Carter has been impressive, but hasn't really gotten going. Uh, I think um, Tevin Coleman's been good in spots, but really overall the run game hasn't been what you would hope it would be. So if we can start to establish that and use that play action and get the you know linebackers to creep in a little bit, maybe make a little more space for Zach, I think that's, that's a huge thing. So the more the offensive line continues to gel, the more this running game gets going, I think the better the offense will look. So You know, it's funny too, because you know going into the year, there was a lot of talk of just how often – the Jets were going to run the ball, and that's what they were yeah. going to do because that's what the Niners did in that offense, but haven't been able to do it. So the fact that Zach has still had moments of success, like what we saw on Sunday, second half of the Panthers game, the fact that he's had moments without a running game, I think it's a sign that if they do get that running game going, it's only going to make them play that much better going forward. Yeah, I, agree. I, agree. I think uh, an underrated thing, too, that we probably should consider about this is just the whole London factor. 
and with a one, uh, you know, a young team, how this looks. And I was listening to the Salah interview on the Michael K show on Monday and Salah went to London with Jacksonville three years in a row and kind of talked about having three different approaches and really finding that one that worked best. So maybe that's just a slight leg up. I think they got a full team or a full plane with, you know, full of beds for all the players. So they can get the right amount of sleep on the plane right over. So, you know, this is, it's, it's an adjustment. No question. You're going over there, the clock change, all that. So um, maybe that's one leg up that, uh, that Salah has over Arthur Smith is that he's got this experience from Jacksonville and playing in London three years in a row. It's an like adjustment that. for us too. I mean, we got to get up early and watch this game on Sunday. I mean, <laughs> you have to get up earlier than us because you're Central Side. That's even more. There you go. Yeah. Right? Well, Eight thirty kickoff. I know. When I saw this uh, this game come out on the schedule, and I'm here in Houston, obviously, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be rough. So you know, I, I'm going to go to the uh, the Jet Fan Bar, and I'm like, are we even going to be able to get to this bar where we all watch the game <laughs> at here? And apparently, they're going to be open early for us. So I'll be watching it with a bunch of Houston Houston Jets fans that live here, and uh, we're going to be there, there early. You know, it'll be like a keg and eggs type of day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the good thing is about this like i always say this when it's on thursday night or they play monday night or this you could just enjoy football after win or lose win or lose it's just like you can watch red zone you could just be yeah. like stress-free like by the time it starts you're just like whatever whatever the result is it is what it is but i'll say this last time the jets went to london 2015 10 win season they crushed the dolphins so you know maybe i don't think there's, there's nobody on that team that's still here but just I'm just going off the saber metrics of you know we're one and we're one and zero in London. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but I do want to do picks. I want to do some predictions. So I start with you, Jake. So let's just hear, you know, what you you know what you think is going to happen. You can maybe give me like one offensive prediction, one defensive prediction, and maybe just something coaching wise, and then obviously your score pick for the game. Ooh, that's tough. All right, so I'll say uh, Elijah Moore scores his first Jets touchdown. I think he does it in London. I think okay. I, I'm pretty sure he's cleared. Right, he's back from the concussion protocol. Yeah, he's going to get on the plane today. to to London. So as long, assuming he flies, and I think he will, based on what they've said so far this week, I'll go. Elijah Moore scores his first offensive touchdown. I basically have said this every week he's played. Eventually, I'm going to be right. I think so. <laughs> I'll keep saying that on every show I go on. So Elijah Moore will score his first Jets offensive touchdown. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Quinton Williams has two sacks. He's going to show out in London. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to bring it a, a two sack game from big Q and coaching wise. Um, I think, I think we're going to come away from this game and we're going to be very, very impressed once again with Jeff Albrecht. I, I think we're going to be saying, wow, this Jets defense, holy crap. How are they doing this? And if the Jets play well, now you got everyone watching this game. People could say, oh, it's Jets Falcons. I'm not going to be watching. People are going to be watching. The national media types are going to be honing in on this game. It's the standalone game. It's it's not a primetime game per se, but it's the only game on in that time slot. So people are going to be into it. And uh, I think if the Jets defense plays well, he's going to be getting a lot of credit. There's going to be a lot more buzz for him to you know get some consideration for a potential coaching opening if this continues. And then uh, I guess you asked for score prediction. Yeah. So I'll say Jets 27 Atlanta 23. I think it's a close game because it's always a close game with the Jets, but I do think the Jets come out on top 27-23. I like it. I like it. All right, Steven, let's hear yours. All right. So this is like classic, uh, you know, Jets letdown moment here is they make you feel good to then come out and put up a stinker and they like lose, you know, 23 to six and, and, you know, all is lost. And then everyone goes back down and they're, you know, they're bottom dwelling wherever they were. But um, I think this, I think this week is different. I think this team is different. Steven, you mentioned earlier on the show, this is like the changing of the guard and that's just how I feel. So I think this is really a momentum builder or this week was a momentum builder for the Jets and they really are going to build off of this. So I don't think Atlanta is very good. I think the Jets, so, 
my offensive prediction is that Zach Wilson throws zero turn or doesn't have any turnovers this week. No, no picks, no fumbles. Um, I think my defensive prediction is something I would kind of complain about through the first four weeks, as good as the Jets have played, is they haven't had many turnovers. So I want to say it's only two uh, thus far. One was late in the Bronco game when it didn't really matter. The other one was just a fumbled handoff uh, exchange from Sam Darnold in the first first game. So I do think they get their first turnover. I think Bryce Hall gets a pick. And let's see what we're saying. Coaching, something coaching here for... Okay, so I'm going to say that we come away from this game saying, you know what, we really shouldn't have doubted Michael Floor that back when he's at full strength, now he's uh, he's kind of coaching with uh, with some with some fire and he's he's playing where uh, you know Zach Wilson needs to be, uh, and I think the Jets win handily, 30-17. That's what I'm going to wow. say. Wow, I like. Yeah, that. I think I think we're rolling. I think we go into the bye week and uh, we're feeling pretty good, and it gives us something to build off of uh, after the bye going into New England. Look, two and three at the bye. I think you know, obviously, sign it- up for it. I think yeah. every Jeff fan would have signed up for it going into the season. Now, how you got there was a little different than I'm sure we all imagined. I didn't think anyone, yeah. I don't think we thought the Jets would be 0 3, but 2 and 3 is 2 and 3 going into the bye. I mean, that'd be great. Here, here's another offensive prediction I just thought of Zach Wilson goes over 300 yards for the first time. Like in it. Career. I was going to say that one too, but since you said that, I won't. Be <laughs> <right>. My bad. <laughs> no, it's okay. I like that we're all seeing eye to eye. Um, so mine is. I was going to say that, but I think Zach's actually going to have three touchdowns. And I was also going to say Elijah catches one. I think Croft also catches one. So I'll do that as like one offensive prediction. Defensively, I think they're going to force some turnovers. I think they'll probably, they're going to have two to three turnovers. I think Matt Ryan will throw two interceptions and they'll they'll force a fumble, whether it's from like a skill position player or Matt Ryan. And from a coaching perspective, I think we get this viral Salah like popping out of his veins moment that because it's a national thing, everyone's watching. He's going to do something crazy and psych everybody up and remind them like he's like this fiery guy on the sidelines. Because for the most part, he's been pretty calm, cool, collective. I know he got angry. It was one of the plays that it was something with the refs. He couldn't challenge or they weren't like looking at something this past week. And obviously week one, the whole thing when they had that fumble or no week two when New England fumbled the ball and they weren't like looking at it. They're saying it was like four progress, which he went crazy about. But I think we're going to get a viral solid moment and everyone's going to fall in love with him especially nationally. And if we win this game, which I'm picking us to win this game, I'm going to say 20, 25, 20. I know it's a random score, but sometimes this stuff happens. And Zach is going to, you know, be the international man of mystery. We're going to get the Austin <laughs> Powers uh, photoshops with Zach's head on it, with the uh, people saying he's groovy and everything. And it becomes an international sensation. And we're super excited. And, you know, even if they lose this game, which I'm picking them not to, and I'm picking them obviously to cover the two and a half, whatever the spread is by the time game day happens, we're going to feel good going into the bye week. We're going to see progress. You know, we're going to get confident. And, man, if they go come out of this bye week, if they win this game and they win New England, boy, are we going to be an unbearable fan base in a good way. <laughs> but, I mean, people are going to be like, we're going to Super Bowl next season. <laughs> like, there's going to be that overreaction. Meanwhile, New England isn't very good. We just – we're finally realizing that considering they are one and three as well and have a rookie quarterback. Um, but I'm curious, you know, any other thoughts on the game? Cause I wanted to give Jake some time to rant about the Yankees because this is a New York <laughs> podcast. I know he has a lot of thoughts. I do as well. I know this is a Jets show, but we typically sometimes go into other sports at the end. 
So yeah. any other thoughts on oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, you, you ran about the Yankees, man. <laughs> no, no. I, I was just going to say, you know, you, you're talking about uh, the, the Jets beating the Pats. I mean, man, I just – I they got to win this week first, man, because, I, you know, I, I think it's different too. I believe in this regime. I believe in this quarterback. But please win on Sunday. Let's enjoy a nice long day of football. The Jets mm-hmm. win. We get the 1 o'clock slate, the 4 o'clock slate. It's a great Sunday night game with Bills Chiefs. Like, everything's going to be great for the next, you know – Two weeks, really, until the Jets play again, <laughs> if they can win on Sunday. So winning before Positive the bye, advice. like, come on. I need the Jets to get it done. Yeah. I mean, Jake, before you jump down, we were talking. I remember uh, 2019 when the Jets beat, uh, um, I'm sorry, Dallas oh, yeah. to get the one and four. And then every Jets, fan, uh, every Jets fan was looking at the schedule going, okay, that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. And that, that, that was how we, uh, you know, we completely did ourselves in here. But when you look at it, I mean, New England is beatable. I'll never discredit or discount Belichick in New England. It's not going to be easy, but they are beatable. They're as beatable as, they, as they've been in, in plenty of years here. And then you look ahead, Cincinnati, we still don't know they are then they got Indianapolis on Thursday night before they play Buffalo so realistically if they can get this win and maybe get themselves to what four and four going into that Buffalo game that's you know that could be something here and right all day so it's going to be interesting to see how they come out how they deal with this you know success and if they can really really utilize this to build something here so I'm super excited for this game I truly think it's the perfect storm where they they can win and win handily and show people that they're here to compete at least and maybe get the 500 before they play a tough Buffalo team. Yeah. I mean, that's the hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be clunkers. Like Zach is not, I don't think he's going to have any four interception games again, but he's going to have games where he struggles again. I mean, sure. it's the NFL, you know, every, even the great quarterbacks, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was abysmal week one. I know he's obviously bounced back, but it, you know, you're talking about the Bengals. I think you're going to find out how good the Bengals are because they're, they're playing green Bay this week. And that's a tough matchup. They've kind of been a benefit of a soft schedule. So I'm excited to see what they can do, but, uh, Let's give Jake some time to rant a little about the Yankees because yesterday was really pathetic. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I don't want to disappoint you with a lack of a rant, but I'm just like, I'm just screaming at people over the phone last night. Dude. It's just, I'm just burnt out with this team, man. Like, I like as sad as it is, I, I, I don't want to say I'm relieved they lost because that's not how I feel at all. But I just, I didn't have any faith in this team for basically most of the season. Like, they, they mm-hmm. to me, they were, they were deeply flawed coming into the year. Cashman tried to fix it at the trade deadline, basically, you know, patch it together. But the reality is the fact that they were even playing in a wild card game. Like to me, I looked at it like this season was such a failure. Like the fact that they only won 92 games and had to go on the road to Boston when this game should have been played at the minimum at Yankee Stadium. I mean, beat the O's a couple times or don't blow as many games as they did to the Mets or the Astros or get mm-hmm. swept by the Tigers. Like this, this year, like you really couldn't enjoy the season if you were a Yankee fan. Like I understand there's a lot of fan bases being like, boo-hoo, you guys made the playoffs, you won 92 games it could be worse but different standard it's a different standard it it, it is different and it's been 12 years since this team has been to a world series let alone won a world series and when you look at this yankee team you know they win 13 games in a row and then they go two and 11 right after it oh they take you know they sweep the red sox in boston take two out of three from toronto all they got to do is take two out of three from tampa and they lose the first two games to put them in this spot to have to now go on the road. So, you know, you couldn't really enjoy the highs because you were always no, you always were just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's just frustrated, man. I mean, like, I, I know every Yankee fan wants Boone gone, but I, I don't think this is an Aaron Boone problem alone. Like, I think they need to fundamentally change yeah. how he, they put this team together. And just they, they punt on the regular season too often. They need to take the regular season seriously. And, and they have to just, they have to drastically change this offensive team. They have two elite offensive players and judge the stand. Everybody else is kind of a, eh, they, they need to get more athletic. They need to bring, get more speed on this team. 
It's just, it's very frustrating that they wasted a great year from Judge, Stan, and even Cole in the regular season had a very good year. And they, and if I would have told any Yankee fan, those three would have great years. How many games do they win? You would have told me they went over a hundred games and mm-hmm. they, they, they just, they wasted a year and it's, it's very frustrating. And I only hope that it leads to some meaningful changes here. Cause if it doesn't, yeah. they run it back with Boone and the same team next year, they're going to get beat again. And whether it's in yeah. the wild card round or the LDS, it doesn't matter. They're going to get beat again. So they have to fundamentally change how they do things. I feel like you need to get that off your chest. I want to give you that, <laughs> that platform because your, your day job, you're talking about Houston sports. You're not going to get to talk to the Yankees because I know when you were doing your, your show on Sports Map, you were absolutely talking about everything. So you were able to talk about this. But uh, no, I agree with you. And I think I'm not a huge Boone guy. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan. I think he listens to the front office. It's mostly like the lineup cards coming from Cashman. I think it's more of a Cashman problem. I don't love Boone, but I think if you change the general manager and the manager, you'll see more of a, you know, of a change, especially you bring in an old school guy like Show Walter or Bruce Bochy or, or Socia, but who knows? But listen, Knicks basketball, it's coming up. We got that. Yeah, who would have thought the Knicks would be something that everyone would be looking forward just, to in New York? Just bought my tickets, Knicks Sixers for October 26th. I am super excited. Um, but yeah, I, I'm as excited about a Knicks season as probably since 2012, 2013. So it's going to be fun. But um, Jake, obviously, we love having you on here. You can come on the show anytime you want to talk Jets because I know you're talking to angry Texan callers talking about how bad <laughs> David Culley is and the fact that you got to watch Davis Mills, who's I feel bad for. He's not a guy who should be starting at this point. He's more developmental, which it's tough for him. But, you know, this is your uh, New York getaway, if you will, because you, you can talk Jets, you can talk Yankees, which we like to mix it in a little bit. Steven's a Mets fan, so maybe we'll give him a Mets rant one day. <laughs> but, uh, no, Jake, thank you so much. We love having you on the show. Guys, thanks so much for having me. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i a recurring guest. I mean, it's a, it's a huge honor to have that, uh, that, that title. It's going at the top of the resume now. It's got to be in the Twitter bio. <laughs> but, um, for guys, if you don't know Jake, follow him on Twitter, at Jake Asman. And if you live in Houston, or uh, is your show simulcast on, like, satellite radio, or it's got to be listened to online? Yeah, so you could listen uh, if you're not in Houston. You could go to the ESPN 97.5 Twitch. You could go ESPNHouston.com or the ESPN um, app. Just type in ESPN Houston. It comes right up. But uh, yeah, I mean, also on YouTube, I do a I do a usually some Jets talk every day on YouTube. So I get my Jets rants out on YouTube. So just Jake <laughs> Asman on YouTube, and you can watch the daily videos there. Yes, I'm a subscriber. But congratulations again, Jake. I'm so proud of you, man. You've You've, you've done better since you came on the show. So we're going to take credit for that. You know, that we got you your new role, which is afternoon drive, which is what you want to be if you're in, you know, radio for a living. So dude, so proud of you. It's awesome. You know, you do great work. You're fun on Twitter. I mean, I love looking, looking at your rants because you, you call it like it is, you don't, you don't sugarcoat it. And I, I appreciate that. I you know some people show their biases. Like you rip the Yankees, you rip the Jets, you rip the Knicks, everybody Islanders. And you're an Islanders fan, right? Yeah, I mean, the Islanders, the, the team that probably g- will give me the closest chance to actually seeing a title here. So, yeah, let's go Islanders. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. Um, and friendly reminder to subscribe to our channel, Turn on the Jets on YouTube. You know, subscribe to our pod feed for our show, Will Show, at Draft Season, which is coming in a few weeks. Um, and definitely become a Badlands subscriber. It's been great content. I mentioned this earlier in the show. Connor's all 22 is one of the coolest things, Jake. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is great stuff. I mean, you're just getting that coach's film things. You're not seeing when the game is live. It's really fun. And you're seeing like how these young players, especially like a guy like Vera Tucker, when you're not looking at the offensive line, because you're curious where the ball's going, you see how good of a player he's becoming. It's really good stuff. And we really appreciate everybody joining in and listening every single week. And we'll talk to you.